World View Update, bringing you closer to international or global news. 22 minutes after 6 in Ukraine, the government claims to have taken a village in the Donetsk region back from Russian forces. It says its army is now able to defend that position. This appears to be the first sign of what I suspect is very small progress in the Ukrainian counteroffensive. Meanwhile, the value of a Russian ruble has fallen this week, the country's reserve bank raising interest rates there to 12%. Gustavo de Cavallo is a senior researcher on Russia-Africa ties at the African Governance and Diplomacy Program at the S Institute of International Affairs. Gustavo, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. This is a, a very small sign that the Ukrainians may be recapturing some land, and this Russia will contest it, of course, why is there so little progress one way or another on the battlefield at the moment? Good morning. Um, uh, thanks. And, and 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 I think there's been, uh, of course, a lot of difficulties from the Ukrainian side to really break those massive lines of fortification that Russia has done all around the, the front lines of, of, of the war. So, so, so developments like we've seen in the Eurozane village uh, in the last two days, but also shows that uh, there is a few elements within the war at the moment. One of them is the attempts of breaking the fortification lines, uh, but particularly a major focus that we've seen from Ukraine now in terms of attempting to cut logistic lines for the Russians to potentially cut from from the oblasts uh, from the oblasts of uh, Donetsk and and Zaporizhia in particular uh, uh, to to really look to to cut those lines, but also in terms of potentially cutting the land bridge that connects. Uh, Russia to Crimea from from Ukrainian territory and we've seen also a number of drain attacks into a number of bridges and all of that shows really this attempt of breaking those lines so that uh, Ukraine can make some progress in in that regard. We're in August now it's going to start to get cold again there soon could we end up with a sort of battlefield almost frozen again over the northern hemisphere winter? It is very likely that we're going to have a significant reduction over the winter periods. We, we we have a big change in terms of the terrain. It becomes much harder for mechanized uh, vehicles to actually utilize them. So so I think what we're trying to uh, identify, and it seems that it's what it's happening for already for the last two months, it's really uh, 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 an important initial push from Ukraine in that side. I mean, of course, there has been a number of Russian counterattacks and particularly those targeting infrastructure towards grain and ports and we've seen some attacks in Rennie right at the border with Romania uh, and particularly trying to target many of the ports that are now attempting to export grains from Ukraine but using the Danube River instead of uh, the Black Sea. Um, When we have a situation, a stalemate like this, who benefits over the longer, longer term? Is it Russia just because it's bigger? Uh, I, I think to a certain extent, I think there's two elements in that. I think Russia does benefit from that stalemate in the sense that it can continue uh, building fortifications, it can continue moving its own defense forces uh, across the line. But also from the Ukrainian side, I think what we have and may, many analysts have noticed is that there's still limited indication that some of those major elements of Ukraine's mechanized reserves and a lot of those that were provided by NATO uh, uh, partners of Ukraine. A lot of them have not entirely been used yet. So it is not entirely clear uh, in terms of what is happening now, but it's certainly the time frame that the Ukrainians and Russians have to work at the moment is very, very short. 
Um, in the meantime, we have the BRICS Summit, the BRICS Heads of State Summit in Santon here uh, next week. Julius Malema in our news bulletins this morning, the leader of the EFF, calling on uh, BRICS leaders not to attend out of solidarity with the Russian President Vladimir Putin. I'm sure they'll make their own decisions. But do you think this issue is going to be, this war is going to be a big issue during the BRICS Summit or are the leaders going to, uh, how do I put it, choose to choose to ignore it for a moment? I, I, I think it's it would be hard to actually have many of these discussions during the BRICS summits, and I think particularly we we, we need to to remember that BRICS has historically not been used as a space for coordination of policies. I do assume that there will be bilateral discussions between the Russians and and South African officials, particularly from the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, especially as a follow up from the recent uh, African Peace Initiative to Ukraine and Moscow discussions that were held in St. Petersburg during the Russia-Africa summits, but also uh, discussions that came from the Jeddah summits that uh, South Africa was attending, very high-level South African delegation attending a meeting in Jeddah, discussing particularly with the Ukrainians. So for South Africa, it could actually be an opportunity to continue to push for some of the views that the eight African heads of state did two months ago. And, uh, And I think it could potentially be positive in terms of continue to showcase this slow but but consistent shift in terms of South African foreign policy and indeed becoming much more similar to what we would expect of a non-aligned country. Gustavo, thank you. Gustavo de Cavallo is a senior researcher on Russia-Africa ties at the African Governance and Diplomacy Program at the SA Institute of International Affairs.